This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Six franchise tags were handed out. Hayden, we have to start with Lamar Jackson. There's so many layers to this equation. We'll get to all of them, react to all of these deals. But Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens, there's two sides. There's the team side. There's the player side. Let's first start with the Ravens end of this. The number one decision by Lamar Jackson and the Ravens specifically was the non-exclusive tag versus the exclusive tag. The non-exclusive, which he was given, is a $32 million one-year deal. And other teams can negotiate with Lamar Jackson as long as they have their original 2023 and 2024 first round picks because then if they sign Lamar to a deal that Lamar agrees to and the Ravens choose not to agree not to match that offer then boom two first round picks head in the direction of the Ravens and those two first round picks is typically less than what it would be for other quarterbacks like Russell Wilson and Deshaun Watson but before we even get to that, Lamar Jackson, the only reason why we haven't really came down to a contract right now is because the fully guaranteed money going back to Deshaun Watson. And we'll get to it. This is the big, biggest probably storyline of all of this is that guaranteed money. But with the Raven side on the exclusive versus non-exclusive tag, the exclusive tag there would be a $45 million, the non-exclusive is the $32 million. So it's much cheaper to do so. And I think there's layers to the reason why they want to do that. First, if this has to go to the next year on the franchise tag, it's a 20% raise, and that's how the franchise tag works. So if they do have to place the franchise tag on them next year, it would be cheaper now that they've done it this way versus the other way. Uh, But also, there's a little bit more pressure for the Ravens to get a deal done with Lamar Jackson because they probably know that Lamar is not willing to play for only $32 million. We'll get to the other deals that Daniel Jones and Geno Smith are getting. That's a lot more money than Lamar Jackson's making. So I think them are, they're putting themselves in a spot saying, we know you're not going to play on this. You can go negotiate with other teams. Now we're going to know what your true market is. And now we'll actually be able to come to a contract. And the big difference between non-exclusive and exclusive is, again, if it was exclusive, only they could negotiate with Lamar, and that would be a $45 million price tag. It's all been weird for the last two seasons, to be honest with you, Hayden, on a contract, a long-term deal around Lamar. And I think that's for a number of reasons. One, the, let's say, communication publicly has all been coming from one side because Lamar Jackson does not have an agent. Now... I'm not saying, hey, Lamar, go get an agent, because what we have seen is even players on his own team, like Roquan Smith, like others across the league, you can negotiate a long-term deal by representing yourself. However, what an agent does do is it helps with the communication factor. It allows someone like Ian Rappaport or Adam Schefter to reach out to you and ask, inquire, 
Why is this taking so long? What does Lamar want? What do you want? Right. And if there is zero Lamar Jackson communication to the national reporters, all that we are getting is from the team side to the media side. And that's it. And that's why you're hearing, well, Lamar is dragging his feet when it comes to even showing interest in coming down with a long-term deal. I think there's, again, multiple factors of that, but I did want to bring that to attention. It's not like, to me, the NFL or the media being like, Lamar, why don't you have an agent? It's more Mm -hmm. like the benefits of what an agent give you just in terms of outward communication from and fairness and balance from both sides. And what are the odds you're actually going to get what you're looking for as well? So that's one reason why the Ravens did this is we're putting the non-exclusive on you. Go find that offer sheet that you're going to go for. Now, here's my feeling, though, is the Ravens know what Lamar is asking for. Basically, a fully guaranteed contract. Now, like you said, we haven't fully understood exactly what he's looking for, but that's the assumption that everyone's making. He wants fully guaranteed money. I wonder if the Ravens, by the way, who one of the smartest organizations, not just in the NFL and all of sports, know that the other NFL owners are not going to give him a guaranteed contract. And they say, go, go, go ahead, go try to find it. We're giving you the option to go, go do that. You're not going to be able to. So once we get that thrown out of the way, now we can actually negotiate with the terms that we're probably going to have to settle on. So I I wonder if the risk that we initially thought about with the non-exclusive tag and, oh, they, some team might, offer $70 million in this first year and the Ravens would not be able to manage that in the first year. I'm guessing that they ran the calculus. They've talked to enough other teams and they're like, yeah, we're not going to do the fully guaranteed stuff. So he's going to have to come back to us anyways. He would not sign even an offer sheet. And we've gone through like the top six, seven, eight teams that would make some sense. They all, the Falcons, the Dolphins, they flat out came out and said, no, immediately. You never see that. Yeah. Let's jump to that because again, Theoretically, it's only natural to think of a recent MVP winner that is available for two first-round picks. And all you have to do, really in its simplest form, is to create a contract that the Ravens are not willing to match, either the structure of it or just the guarantees of it. And that can honestly be probably pretty simple, right? Now, all that they would have to do is do that and the Ravens only have five days to match, right? Five days. But to your point, what is making this even more unbelievable, I think is the right word, is within an hour and a half, local writers or national writer, national media types said, the Falcons are out, the Panthers are out, the Raiders are out, the Commanders are out, the Dolphins are out. That can be for a few different reasons. One, if you do sign Lamar Jackson to this offer sheet, you have to put that entire thing into escrow for five days. And maybe some teams like the Raiders, like their beat writer told us they can't do. But it is puzzling, fascinating, and I think telling that really, really quarterback needy teams, we've never seen this within an hour and a half of someone like this being quote unquote available, not for free, but available to all say, nope, we're not interested. Yeah. Something's up. Something's definitely up. And like, obviously this would just be the collusion of NFL owners, not wanting to uh, give away guaranteed contracts. And obviously we don't have evidence of that except us just galaxy braiding us to that. Maybe there is a report later on about it. Um, But like a team like the Panthers, they were willing to give up multiple first round picks for Matthew Stafford and those types. They're in the same exact boat right now. If they go up to the first, uh, the first overall pick, they would be trading multiple first rounders for that. The fact that they're not even interested right now is telling me that this probably is something up. Uh, 
yeah, I think what's going to happen is the Ravens just figured out that no other teams is going to give the money that Lamar Jackson's asking for. And at that point, you can ask for anything you want. You're going to have to play on either the franchise tag for a couple more years, wait for your open market multiple years from now, or you're just going to have to say, hey, Lamar, we love you as a Raven. Here's our best offer. This is what most teams are going to be offering you anyways. We just hired a new offensive coordinator for you. We'll surround you with more talent. Why don't you come back and play for us? But I think getting that non-exclusive tag out there at only at $32 million is basically them saying, we know that this is not sustainable and yeah. we've given you some options. Now it's time to actually come to a long-term agreement. But part of that non-exclusive could have been that the market sets the contract, but now it seems like the market is not going to set the contract. Right. right. So it goes back to the $32 million. If you're totally. Lamar Jackson, are you playing for $32 million right now? Probably not. And that's what and right. I think the Ravens know that. And that's why they're saying right. this is it's the putting the pressure on Lamar basically to either pay him 32 or play in a non-guaranteed contract for the forthcoming years. And if if they would have done the exclusive tag, there was no third ex exclusive tag. The price would be like 60, 70 million dollars. They wouldn't do it now with this. If Lamar says, fine, I'll play on this one. Well, guess what? Next year, it's only a 40 plus million dollars, which right. they were willing to do again. So they basically delayed this free agency period again. So I think this was a beautifully done move. For the Ravens, I'm sad for Lamar Jackson. I want fully guaranteed contract for these players, specifically for Lamar Jackson. It makes so much sense for him to be the guy to stand up for this. But you are battling 32 bullies, billionaire bullies here, and we typically know how that kind of works. And one broke stride last year in Jimmy Haslam. And it certainly feels like even Stephen Ross coming out through media saying, no, we're not going to make this move for Lamar Jackson because... Honestly, I think the Dolphins were in a perfect place to do this. And I was trying to do tinfoil hat for about an hour and galaxy brain it. And I really thought he would end up with the Dolphins if he was going to leave the Ravens for multiple reasons. Because one, they don't have their original first round pick in this upcoming draft. So them and Lamar could not have a contract negotiation until after the draft, until April 30th. And then they would only have to trade their 2020, 2024 first round pick and 2025 first round pick and how do and you then, get your free agency without knowing 45 50 that's million true. dollars to, that's true to now the the other part of that is let's say eric DaCosta, the ravens brass could then come back if stephen ross who i thought because he was you know suspended for a few games from attending them they took away his first round pick for you know mingling with sean payton and tom brady that maybe he'd want to stick it to the nfl uh, and hand out a not or hand out a guaranteed contract. Um, you know, the Ravens could then say, well, we're not the one who offered it. We're just the one who matched it, mm -hmm. you know, but that doesn't even seem like it's going to happen. And to bring this entire thing back two first round picks, when we're talking about Lamar Jackson is nothing like no. it's nothing like from Jason over the cap. Some players who recently were traded for two plus first round picks, Russell Wilson, Deshaun Watson, Jamal Adams, Jalen Ramsey, Larry Tunzel, Khalil Mack. And you even said it. The Panthers, the Falcons, the Saints were three of the final five teams in the Deshaun Watson sweepstakes last year. We all know how shadowy that process was with everything that's still going on with mm -hmm. Deshaun Watson. Yet, because the Browns won with the guaranteed deal, those teams are now not a part of this conversation, seemingly. Just yep. haven't seen anything like this before. Yeah, this is 
complete galaxy brain. And so it's really sad for the players sakes because Lamar Jackson is fighting for something that is a noble cause. I just not, I'm just not convinced that he's going to be able to win this, which is, which is sad. I want Lamar to get a bunch of guaranteed money. Hopefully they can come to an agreement this off season. This thing could drag on though, because if there are no teams that are going to come up with the offer sheet, now it's going to be a game where Lamar Jackson, is he going to play on the tag or not? Are they going to be able to negotiate a contract? And, there, and that, that can drag on July 17th. That can drag on for a while. And even if even if he says that they're not getting a long-term contract, then we're just going to have the discussion, is he going to play on the tag? How many games are you going to play on the tag? Or are they going to run into the situation where it was last year where he had an injury that uh, lingered longer than expected? Now, we don't know if that injury was more serious or if he was kind of the contract was in the back of his mind here. But I think the fact that Lamar did that is putting some pressure on the Ravens to come to an agreement knowing that he might have a chance to sit out more games than expected if he doesn't have the deal that he wants. So I think this was just a sharp move by the Ravens to make this move happen this offseason. And there's a lot of layers to it, like we just explained here. But I'm hoping that the Ravens get a deal done with him. They get a number two wide receiver, and we can watch this Ravens team compete uh, in a really stacked AFC. The only two teams that we have not heard from that might factor into this are the Detroit Lions and are the New York Jets. Um, I think the Jets are that obsessed with getting a quarterback this offseason, but let's just then move on to this topic because as we are speaking right now, the entire Jets brass is in California trying to bring Aaron Rodgers back with them. I mean, it's the team owner, it's the head coach, it's Nathaniel Hackett, who, as we all know, was part of the Denver Broncos' potential pulling process and trying to lure Aaron Rodgers there. And maybe now it'll work on the second effort yep. with the jets this off season. By the way, did you see Benjamin Albright who covers the Broncos? He tweeted out that this is the second time Nathaniel Hackett has been a part of a um, schmoozing for Aaron Rodgers. Now we know that Aaron Rodgers was that the plan was initially to have Aaron Rodgers, not Russell Wilson there. But yeah, I agree. It's going to be a first round plus maybe a sec, a big package with second rounders. Uh, coming for the Packers, but the Packers just seemed like they didn't really want Aaron Rodgers. It was not like necessarily Rodgers wanting out. The The Packers just want Jordan Love on the final year of his deal to be the quarterback, and they just want to move on. So uh, I think it's a smart smart move by both teams. The Jets have a little bit of a win-nail move or roster right now because they've nailed some recent picks. Um, and Aaron Rodgers, I think, still has top 10 quarterback play uh at his best right now so i think that they this is going to get done and i think it's probably a good move for both sides i'm sure we'll talk more about that when that actually does happen but that seems to be where things are trending um okay let's get to some of the deals that were actually done hayden let's start with Derek carr signing with the new orleans saints now as you're here with all of these there's a reported number and then there's a reality what the number really is the reported deal for Derek carr four years 150 million dollars Trying to read between the lines in reality, it's most likely a two-year, 60 to $70 million contract. Um, again, this points exactly back to where we were last offseason with the New Orleans Saints, that they will never give up. You know, They will always try to be involved in the playoffs and trying to win a Super Bowl. And maybe now more than ever because the NFC South is in the current state that it is. Really bad. Um, they don't have a pick until number 29 in this year's draft, and that was a deal to send Sean Payton to the Denver Broncos. They traded away the, I think, number 10 pick this season in the deal to get Chris Olave last year. And I actually think like the Chris Olave deal maybe had a factor in this because if you have 
Olave on the roster and then guys kind of getting to the end of their careers and Cameron Jordan, Ryan Ramchek, Demario Davis, some players in their mid to late 20s now and Alvin Kamara and, and Marshawn Lattimore, you still have to maximize that window to win. And Derek Carr, I think, is probably the peak of what they could have pulled in this offseason. Yeah, it was just kind of like the perfect timing for everything. The Saints, the last couple of years, we've been pretty critical of their moves of always staying in. And it's fun. I get it. Like you're always competing for a playoff berth, but I never thought that they were very close to a Super Bowl recently. Uh, and they were extending players, older players, and they were losing key free agents and having to trade away players. This offseason to get under the cap, they don't have to do all that much now. They have to like still extend like a couple 30-year-olds, probably a, a starter that they don't uh, deserve to be a starter at that salary. The Alvin Kamara contract, that's probably going to get back on the books here, and there's probably some other ways to get out of it. But Derek Carr is not making all that much money here. This is like decent value for him you're kind of in quarterback purgatory but the saints are in quarterback purgatory because of their moves the last couple off seasons and like you said their first picks 29th overall who are you going to get nobody so this was just a move to get them in that 10 win window go compete in the nfc south like you said it's a complete joke but really like the entire nfc is relatively wide open so they're gonna have to really parlay this with all their defensive players staying healthy and they're a little bit older now. They got to smash this late round pick. Derek Carr's got to have a bounce back season again for this to really come to fruition here. But I actually didn't really hate this because they can get out of this after two years and it'd be two years, $70 million, not the end of the world. There are some team options in year three and year four too. They're in a weird spot because I felt even though he had only coached for one season again as a head coach, I thought Dennis Allen did a horrible job last year, like near fireable in many situations. Yet, I'm sure Dennis Allen being the head coach of this team was a big pull for Derek Carr since he's the one who drafted him, I think, back in Oakland. Um, and I know Nick Underhill, who does a great job at New Orleans.football. I mean, no one's better. No one's better across the league at covering their team. Uh, says that Pete Carmichael was a huge selling point for Derek Carr. Uh, not that they've worked together because I think Carmichael's been – in New Orleans since 2007, but it allowed Derek Carr to have more freedom, more yep. responsibility at the line of scrimmage. And it certainly sounded like last year under Josh McDaniels, Derek Carr did not have any of those responsibilities under John Gruden. He did. Um, and Underhill said that the door is wide open for Mike Thomas to come back. Like it didn't seem like that was the case when the cap situation that the saints are in, but he's been speaking to people over the last, I don't know, week or two. And, you know, if you get a healthy Mike Thomas, who apparently had a great training camp last year, plus Chris Olave, plus whatever happens to Alvin Kamara with, again, Derek Carr, depending on what happens, you know, with a Carolina quarterback situation, Atlanta Falcons quarterback situation, they might be favorites heading into the season in their division. The team with Derek Carr would not be good enough in the AFC. This team is at least in the mix in the NFC because it's so down. Like, yeah, like you said, the Michael Thomas stuff is interesting. They basically got rid of his entire contract already, and they did plan to make him a post-June first cut. But now that they have a quarterback upgrade, he is a little bit more inspired. And that's part of the ethos why the Saints always do this is we want to keep our veterans in the mix here. And if we do go full rebuild rebuild mode, we're going to lose their interest. This was one of one of these moves, but this was not as drastic as previous years when you're losing actual like key free agents. We're not necessarily doing that uh, with the moves that the saints are going to be making uh, in the next couple of days. Right. Like they lost Trey Hendrickson, but had like Marcus Davenport, like some of these moves just hadn't worked. Yeah. In, in recent years. Okay. 
Derek Carr is now, if you go by average per year around the quarterback 10, it's right around the same territory as now Geno Smith with the uh, Seattle Seahawks. It reported three-year, $105 million deal. I read it was about two years, 40 to 50 million. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that's also a one year, 40 to 50 million. It just is going to depend on once the details of this contract come out. I mean, this is so cool for Geno Smith, who led the league in completion percentage last year, had the lowest percentage of off target throws last season, also a top 10 deep ball passer. And especially when you consider that his career earnings up to this point were 17.5 million, now he's going to get a ton of guaranteed money. And his game last year completely deserved it. So he has guaranteed money through the first two seasons, $40 million guaranteed. In the second year, it's only $12 million. So if he falls on his face this year, they can get out of his contract after one season. It would cost him $40 million guaranteed. There are incentives for Geno Smith to make a lot more money than that over the next three years. So this is the contract between Daniel Jones, Derek Carr, Geno Smith that has the, the fewest guarantees beyond this first year. And I think that's probably the best way to handle this because he is just more or less a one-year wonder. Now, we when we watched Geno Smith, a lot of the things that he was very good at last year are the most repeatable things that you have in the NFL in pocket playmaking, uh, the, his ability to throw with accuracy to all le levels of the field, the ability to just like let things rip and let your receivers make a play. We're all there. So I do love this deal. Now they do have that fifth overall pick. Was this enough guaranteed money to make them completely outside of the quarterback market up top? No, probably not. I would still guess that it's going to be Jalen Carter, Will Anderson, the Texas Tech edge rusher, uh, and then let's try to win with Geno Smith this year. But this was not the Derek Carr or Daniel Jones contract where there's multiple millions of dollars into the second and third year of these deals. This is more or less a one-year $40 million deal with incentives to earn quite a bit more than that, and I really like it for both parties. A year ago at this time, Geno Smith was in a legit position battle with Drew Locke, and now we get this again, a guy who didn't have his first full season as a starter since 2014, 17 and a half million, again, career earnings to now getting, you know, 40 plus million dollars guaranteed yep. is pretty freaking sweet. And legitimately, there was a stretch of, I don't know, six games where he was playing at MVP level. I'm not saying mm -hmm. that's going to be repeatable. He also gets his OC back in Shane Waldron, which is awesome. DK, Tyler Lockett's still there. Kenneth Walker, hopefully for an entire season. Two young tackles, now our second-year players. Maybe they can fix some of the interior pieces as well. Work on that defense, for goodness sake. Yeah, and quite, look at that division quietly. Like yep. The Rams and the the 49ers, I would say they they still have a massive ceiling, but the floor is lower with quarterback. But tons now. of quarterback questions. Yeah, across the entire board. So I think that they're in the mix to be uh to win that that division we'll see what happens like like we said with the saints this is a wide open nfc so i think it keeps them by the way real quick uh pete carroll like right after they signed this he was just talking about how much of a win this was for the seahawks come play for us we'll treat you right and all that stuff and part of me believes like reading between the lines there that they're not going to take a quarterback just because like they're all in on geno smith here we'll see what it's very rare to have but with geno that smith said the fifth. like they are in the same position as the Detroit Lions. And really, Geno's contract and Jared Goff's contract and the guarantees difference, but the average yeah. per year is almost identical. Yeah. Neither of these teams want to be drafting fifth and sixth ever again. Like their rosters are probably too good for them to be drafting mm -hmm. fifth and sixth 
ever again. Both also have two first round selections, if I'm not mistaken. Like this is the time. It wasn't by your doing from a win loss record, but this is the time to be aggressive and like think ahead. And I know that's really weird when you just signed this quarterback to really a two year contract, but it happens. Like mm-hmm. it totally happens. And in that second year, the rookie can take over and you just play Gino about $12 million as much as I love him. Like yeah. that should be how these teams are thinking rather than just, Oh, now we move on to other spots, but they also have, like I said, tons, especially defensive line needs. They almost yes. need like every single piece along. And the that's where if the court, if people if like the trade up for one makes one of the elite edge rushers fall to them at five, you can think about that. Or they can be a team that trades down as well. They have a ton of options. Good for the Seahawks. This is a team that's in very good shape. Have you ever been on vacation? After a long day of activities or sightseeing, you have a night in. Room service, bathrobes, and television or movies. And when you're in a foreign country, you scroll Netflix or Hulu or whatever streaming service you have. And you realize that the library of content there is so much larger than it is in the United States. You start a new show, a new series. And when you get back home, you realize... You now have to find that on a different service or pay for it in a different way. That is where Surfshark comes in. It's a VPN service that lets you virtually travel the world with a tap of a finger. You can go to Spain, Canada, Costa Rica to watch the content available in those countries. So you can try Surfshark today, totally risk-free with a 30-day money-back guarantee. And get Surfshark VPN at surfshark.deals slash underdog or enter promo code underdog for three extra months for free. You heard me right. Three extra months for free. That is surfshark.deals slash underdog Uh, across the board. Do you feel like, and we'll get to Daniel Jones right now. Do you feel like the NFL has gotten this level of quarterback contract correct? Because again, all of these guys are hovering right around in terms of average per year where Kirk Cousins and Jared Goff are. And mm-hmm. those deals were done in previous years. You know, typically right. when a new guy is signed, then everyone gets bumped down a little bit. This yeah. one kind of slots right in that spot. Cause I feel like this is the level of quarterback deal that the NFL has struggled to get right over the last few years. My whole thing is just the second and third year. You can't just tie yourself to these guys because like if you if you have your one year and you're all in on Gino and it falls short, it's only costing you one year. But if that one year is now two years, $80 million guaranteed. Now that second year, you're like, oh, gosh, that's where things really fall off. I think I think it's about right. Uh, by the way. You not every team is going to have a Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen and Joe Burrow. Like obviously, you try to get those teams, but there is a secondary market out there, and I think that this is about right. Daniel Jones up next signed a four-year, one hundred and sixty million dollar deal. Reportedly, has another thirty-five million dollars in incentives. I don't know how this one lays out. I don't know if the guarantees have come out yet in year one, year two. Have you seen them? Yeah, it's basically a two-year, $82 million guaranteed contract with about $40 million guaranteed with uh, incentives and team options basically for years three and four. Um, This was more pricey than the other ones, certainly Derek Carr and Geno Smith. This came down to the wire. The reason why they had to get this deal done is because you only get one franchise tag and they place the franchise tag on Saquon Barkley immediately after this deal. And that was kind of telling in... Obviously, we already talked about this, but a week ago, like the, the priority list, Daniel Jones the, one, then Saquon. 
Yep. Yes. It was an if-then statement that we told you on the show exactly a week ago yep. that if they get the Daniel, G- Jan- Daniel Jones deal done for the long term, then Saquon would stay on for, what, $10.9 million. And if not, then the Saquon market was going to be very intriguing because I don't know where he would have gone and for how much money. How do you feel about Daniel Jones? Um, it was such a weird situation for them to be in last year. They're one of these teams that also has, you know, hopefully two booking tackles for a very long time and Andrew Thomas, and then hopefully Evan Neal like really gets on the right track. But when you talk about skill position players outside of Saquon, there was zero. There was nothing. You know, now they're out of the Kenny Galladay contract, kind of. Uh, they also uh, traded away Kadarius Tony. obviously. I mean, they were running out a trio of Isaiah Hodgins, Darius Slayton, and then either Wandale before he got hurt, and Richie James. Now, that should be improved, but the free agent market is difficult to do. I, it's an interesting conversation because one, who was else was going to pay Daniel Jones this much money. But if you take that risk and allow him to get to free agency, then you open yourself up to getting them priced out of a contract like this by similar team that you were not expecting. Right. And I also think it speaks to, we think Brian Dayball and Mike Kafka are good coaches. And if they want to, go with this quarterback for the next couple of years, they certainly feel like they can build an offense to win with. Yeah, that's the thing is he's only 26 years old. So there still is like an upside factor, uh, even though we've seen so many bad years of play. Now with the right system in mind and his age, you can play the upside game. So I think it's like a boom bust signing. And uh, I think we can play the game. Like who else would pay Daniel Jones? I think there probably would have been a lot of teams that would have been on that. Like, it sounds kind of crazy, but I just think that there are teams that aren't picking in the top 10 that are looking for quarterbacks and that they would chase them. Like some, like a team like the commanders, for example, would be giving Daniel Jones a lot of money. He's athletic. And I, I do like that. I think mean, that's only going to become more and more of a factor, just the way that the rules are set up and what we saw with the success in Philadelphia. I just think that's going to become more and more. And ultimately I, I do have a lot of faith in, um, Brian Dayball for like just his evaluation of things, but they kind of did get in a weird spot because they aren't picking till 26 overall. And last year was supposed to be the reset year and they kind of won more games than they were supposed to. Now they're, 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 their overall cap situation is fairly good because they took such drastic measures the following off season. So uh, they still need to get a wide receiver in there. I mocked him with Jordan Addison earlier. Uh, they got to get one more skill guy, even with Saquon Barkley there. Going through their offense about halfway through the season with Josh McCown was eye-opening because it felt like defenses still weren't honoring Daniel Jones's athleticism like they should. Sneaky like, fast. They ran more naked boots. They, you know, were doing a whole bunch of option zone read stuff. And, you know, it just felt like defensive ends, edge players just did not anticipate or linebackers anticipate what Daniel Jones is bringing to the table there. Um and they won so many one score games, you know, like a lot of that to me, when you have a down roster does come down to coaching and preparedness. And I know that that is certainly going to regress, but maybe they just play in fewer one score games and win more games next season but, in a different way. Don't you think that like quarterback rushing is like still undervalued? Yeah. And like, don't, don't you think it's like only going to get bigger and bigger and yeah. bigger? Like, so I, I do think that you're kind of like leading the charge with like the prototype, like what is a NFL quarterback going to look like for the next five years? It is more or less in like the Daniel Jones direction. And th- this is a stupid statement to make, but I'm going to make it anyways. Uh, I feel like on some level, 
you can figure out how good of a play caller is with his effectiveness in like pony personnel and two running back sets, because everyone says like in training camp, Oh, we can have both these guys in the field. And so few are actually able to put it into practice. The giants did it. Some of the best across the league. Like you would see those times where it would be Saquon Barkley, Matt Breida and another running back. And then it would be, you know, play action and they get them all at different levels and it would be effective. And, yeah, I just thought Mike Kafka did an awesome job. And Brian Dayball, I mean, you get hired because of really how great of a play call you were at adapting. And then you're not even the play call your first year and you're mm-hmm. taking on like this almost CEO role. Yep. Sweet. Yeah, I think um, ultimately it's just this is more or less a two-year deal plus the options beyond that. And if all hell breaks loose, it's a two-year window. And I think Brian Dayball has earned enough credibility just based off last year that he's going to get a second crack at this if the bottom falls out. And I would be surprised if the bottom completely fell out from Daniel Jones just based off what he was able to do last year. And we didn't even talk about him, but bringing Saquon back for $11 million is a no-brainer for one year. Because if you lost Saquon, who are your playmakers? Yeah. You know? Again, I thought that he showed that same explosion. Like, there were times during last year where if it – the trend continued in the right trajectory. He could have ended up as like the running back one last mm-hmm. season overall. Um, he wasn't the only running back to get the franchise to hack. Josh Jacobs did as well from the Las Vegas Raiders. Again, a week ago at this time, we told you from a Josh McDaniels interview that he did with PFT that at the very least, they would get a franchise tag in place for Josh Jacobs, but with an eye on having a longer term deal done with him. He's still very young for the position led the NFL in missed tackles force last year and was, you know, one of the best players in the league last mm-hmm. season. Yeah. Running backs are going to get franchise tag all the time because it's based off of how much money the top five uh, players are making. And the top five players just keep getting franchise tag. They never actually make the market when they're uh, during their prime. So yeah, $10 million for Josh Jacobs and over one year is like a layup. So we knew this was going to happen. They're going to try to negotiate a, a long-term deal here. I don't think it's a major priority. This is a team that's going to be looking for uh, a young quarterback. That's what Josh uh, McDaniel said straight to our faces. Um, and at that point, do you just ride Josh Jacobs with a rookie quarterback this year and then move on and spend that money elsewhere? I think that's probably where this is going. But either way, Josh Jacobs, he's a third round pick in fantasy right now. He finishes obviously as a top five uh, overall player last year. Um, so people are really discounting this Raiders team. I think rightfully so just because this is a team that could be like a will levis or anthony richardson team and we like some of the ceiling cases with them but as a rookie i'm not sure they have the seventh overall pick and they basically told us they're going to be looking at rookies they played in a bunch of weird games last year so hopefully i'm sure josh mantano just is looking at the 2023 season just being like be less wonky you know let's have some normal games next season well if you have will levis i don't like the odds of (laughs) Dallas Cowboys also franchise tagged a running back. Uh, That's Tony Pollard. $10.9 million for Tony Pollard. That means that he and Ezekiel Elliott are scheduled to eat up nearly $27 million of the 2023 salary cap. I mean, that's massive. And it kind of makes you wonder, is this Ezekiel Elliott saga done? Like we've heard for years that Jerry Jones basically says as the offense goes, Zeke goes, or as Zeke goes, the offense goes, you know, but for my seat, bringing back Tony Pollard, which indicates that they were not going to let him leave by any means shows that they understand that he's like 
the only explosive element for this team to create big plays other than CD Lamb. And I just wonder if like another domino is, is about to fall here. Yeah, so Zeke is going to either take a pay cut or get post-June 1st released. Um, I think that that's like the only two options here. I think it's on Zeke to kind of realize, do I want to be, say, remain a cowboy and retire as a cowboy and just be the backup? Um, or do I want to risk getting released? There's no way that they can pay both of them this much money. Tony Pollard, also somebody that I think is like on the, the round three periphery in best ball drafts right now. I think that there's a chance that that thing goes up into the second round, if not even higher than that. Uh, McCarthy came out during the combine and basically was just like, yeah, let's not pass as much because it's hurting our defense. Uh, I want to run the ball. And I think that they're going to be comfortable with Tony Pollard. They at least have to make an organizational philosophy change that Tony Pollard isn't just a change of pace guy. And he actually can't handle a workload, the franchise tag and either releasing or making Zeke Elliott a uh, pay cut candidate would signal that Tony Pollard's in for the biggest workload of his career. Fractured leg in Tony Pollard's last game. I think I almost forgot that, but they expect him back for training camp. And this kind of mixes with what uh, McCarthy said during combine week that they want to control games, run more often, not chase scoreboard points. Like he said, uh, it's not a good look. <laughs> it's, it's, it's going backwards in time here. Uh, but we'll see how it works out. It's the Cowboys always, uh, always in the news. Uh, also they franchise tag Dalton Schultz last off season. This means that they did not franchise tag Dalton Schultz this off season. It depends on what day you're kind of reading Cowboys and national reports. Like it sounded like that this meant that Schultz was out the door completely. Then it, also seemed like some rumblings during beers over in Indianapolis at the Combine suggested that Dalton Schultz might come back in a smaller deal. I don't know. Well, He's I think a guy. The, yeah, the, well, I think it would depend on how much money is Schultz expected to make. I don't think he's going to have the biggest yeah. market out there because I think, like you said, he is more or less just a guy. He was very productive in that system because he's a perfect system fit. Um, at the same time, the Cowboys were very adamant. We have to get another playmaker. I wonder if that's just a Zeke's not a playmaker anymore. Michael Gallup was not a playmaker for us last year. We've never had a number three wide receiver there. So maybe they're a team that gets aggressive with a DeAndre Hopkins and stuff. You can't call Dalton Schultz a playmaker either, though. No. Let's be honest. I think they have to shoot bigger. I hope it's with a wide receiver trade, a Brandon Cook, somebody like that um, to pair with CeeDee Lamb. But remember, CeeDee Lamb is going to eat up a lot of those snaps in the slot. Michael Gallup can be an X or Z receiver. I think they need a little bit more juice uh, downfield. Just one tight end got the franchise tag, and that is Evan Ingram of the Jacksonville Jaguars. After signing just a one-year deal, is now back on $11.3 million with the Jaguars this season. That means Jawan Taylor, their right tackle, is set to hit free agency at this, nearly the same exact time of the Evan Ingram announcement. Calvin Ridley was also announced as being reinstated into the Ooh, NFL. Baby. So just on paper, this is a Trevor Lawrence and Travis Etienne backfield plus one at some point. Then at wide receiver, it's Calvin Ridley, Zay Jones, Christian Kirk. In that order. Nice supplemental pieces for ZJ over there. And then at tight end, it is Evan Ingram, who, as we kind of predicted, uh, Doug Peterson got the most out of. You know, it was a very different usage that – New York Giants fans remember with Jason Garrett towards the end. Instead, it was a lot of misdirection. Get the ball in Evan Ingram's hands out in space and allow him to win after the catch because he's a freak athlete. 
they got him like on the move, like on crossing routes and shallow, just shallow uh, tosses out there. And every single time you watched him with Garrett, he was running a curl route like he was Jason Witten. And that's not how you use him. Uh, but this is also it's a reminder for free agency. We're going to have a free agency soon show soon. Uh, the Jaguars gave Evan Ingram a one-year deal. I think it was for $9 million last year. Look at those Johnny Smith deals and stuff. You've yep. seen some weird Austin Hooper deals. The tight end position is not one where I would be spending a ton of money. Uh, go find an Evan Ingram out there for minimum money, and then you can franchise tag him like this. They basically went two years, uh, $20 million, and it's a year-by-year basis. I think that the Jaguars were very savvy with this move, and I'm glad that he's back there. Yeah, it wasn't just crossers. Like you said, it was a lot of like heavy play action. Then he'd be the guy working back across the formation, just getting his hands and let him outrun a safety or over safety or outrun a linebacker. I mean, it was just beautiful usage. There were games where he had like over 10 targets. It was a focal point. And now, I mean, that entire offense last year was so condensed that because they didn't really have that vertical element that now you bring Calvin Ridley to the table where I think his last two years in Atlanta, he was among top three or top five and 20 plus yard targets. We know Trevor's got a cannon too. Mm -hmm. Like this is a really, really, really exciting team moving forward because of what we saw towards the end of the year. And it kind of feels like they're only getting better. By the way, Calvin Ridley's already a fourth round pick. So is Trevor Lawrence. You basically have to spend a fourth and fifth round pick to to stack them up. Christian Kirk a couple rounds later. And then Zay Jones around like 120th overall. So we're all on to the Jaguars. You're not sneaking us uh, some Jaguars love. You're going to have to pay for it, but obviously there is still a massive ceiling. All right, one more franchise tag on the defensive side. Just one defensive player, Deron Payne, defensive tackle for the Washington Commanders, $18.9 million. I'm not going to call this one a stunner because, you know, Deron Payne's a former first-round pick. Obviously, they've invested so much along that defensive line. But I do wonder if a team like the Chicago Bears, who just have so much cap room heading into this offseason, I believe the Jaguars are second, by the way, in that category heading into free agency. Um, but the bears like need starters and defense backup defensive linemen. They need like eight new ones. Okay. And maybe Deron Payne would have been on their radar and they would have given him a massive contract. So he is not able to get that obviously now. Yeah. I think this was like just a identity thing with the commanders as well. So defensive minded with Rivera over there as well. He's such a good player just in general. So, uh, not all too surprising here. Uh, a lot of these guys still can get put on the move. Even We talked about some of these quotes from the, the GMs last week. A lot of these players, I think, are still trade candidates uh, because the free agency class, be, because some of these franchise tags, to me, is just not very good. You can find yourself a backup quarterback out there, certainly. Um, you can find yourself a, a third or fourth wide receiver. Uh, the running back class is all right. But if you're looking for premier talent, you got to draft them or you got to trade for them. That's the, kind of the new NFL. So I'm expecting massive, massive news, uh, starting with Aaron Rodgers, but going beyond that uh, with the trades. Last piece of news, and we'll have a show on Thursday, almost as like a free agency primer ahead of next Wednesday. Um, this from James Palmer. The thought in Kansas City right now is Patrick Mahomes expected to be throwing to the same core group of guys he ended the season with. Travis Kelsey, number one, then Kadarius Toney, in parentheses, who the Chiefs believe will be the wide receiver one in 2023, then MVS sticking on his cap space, on his tag right now, and the plan is to bring Juju, Smith, Juju Smith-Schuster back, and then finally Sky Moore at the end of that. That's a lot of news nuggets into one tiny little tweet. 
Yeah, that's impressive. Uh, obviously, we both uh, quote tweeted this. Uh, I didn't know that you had, and we both basically had the same takeaway: is that Kadarius being the wide receiver one is the thing that matters most here. Biggest the MVS, news of the day, of course. Uh, the MVS uh, they can release release him and save about like seven million dollars against the caps. So you can kind of be right in the periphery if if they wanted to do that. Juju Smith-Schuster. I'm curious what his uh, market's going to be. There's a lot of slot receivers that just aren't very good. And he follows, he falls into that mix. I'm curious how much money he actually is going to be worth in the open market. He's obviously going to test with that. And then he might have to come back with the chiefs and kind of compete with sky Moore in that same role. The chiefs had a workaround last year's contract signing with Juju because it was all incentives based. You know, I wonder if they will have to do that again, this off season with him, like it's get to the super bowl, hit this certain amount of threshold for receptions, receiving yards, touchdowns, so on and so forth. And if you do, then that it's not funny money, but it, it it's an interesting workaround that I think the Chiefs are probably able to get away with than other teams because you know you're going to be good, you know you're going to get production from them, and you know you're going to have a chance to win the Super Bowl. So, so teams like the Chiefs who are going to be tied against the cap because they have so much money going to Patrick Mahomes, obviously that's a good thing. Uh, the incentives, uh, they don't have to go in your cap space if they're uh, unlikely to be earned. And the only definition of that is, did you do it last year? So a perfect example is what the Saints are going to do with the Michael Thomas contract. They have no money. So what they're going to do here is, uh, Michael Thomas, you caught, what, 17 passes last year? If you, we don't have to pay you a bunch until you hit that incentive for the next year, it'll toll on. Um, so you can really work around some of these players who either missed time or had a bad season and use that uh, unlikely to be earned stipulation with the, the, the contracts and how to kind of maneuver with cap space. So you'll see the smart teams do that. I think that that's what's going to happen with Michael Thomas and the Saints if he does go back there. And teams like uh, the Chiefs are going to have to get creative with their contracts as well. All right. I think that's it. I think we've updated all the news. Let's tie this all back around. I should have done this at the top. If Lamar Jackson does not stick with the Baltimore Ravens, who in your mind would be the ideal scenario for for him to go to? I mean, I was thinking immediately just the Falcons would be just so good. The Jersey sales would be amazing. You just look like such a baller there. They came out just straight up said they're the first team. Um, Falcons would have had a great 10 minutes hypothesizing, you know? Yeah, I mean, I, I I can I think like you said though, Lamar Jackson I think wants to play for the Dolphins or the Ravens. Like I think he likes he's liked his time with with the Ravens. There's a comfort there. They've obviously took a chance on him when every other team in the NFL draft didn't. But he also is a a hometown kid uh, in Miami, and obviously no state income tax down there. And I know I know he likes some of those players out there. So I think those would be the two teams that he's hoping uh, goes after that. Uh, but I think you would have to be patient for that to be a reality. All right. That's going to do it for us. Check out everything on the channel. Be sure to hit that subscribe button. We'll be back here on Thursday with Sosa from the underdog NFL newsfeed for a little free agency primer. And then I want to get on all of your radars next week on Wednesday. As soon as deals happen, we will have videos on the channel for them with highlights of each of those players talking about their game, talking about the money, talk about what this means for the team that they signed to and the team they just left, so on and so forth. So keep that in mind to be on YouTube next Wednesday as soon as, what, 3 o'clock, 4 o'clock Eastern? That all strikes. Isn't it Mondays when they can start negotiating, though? But we don't get really the news until Wednesdays. I remember last year. You remember the first deal that was announced was Chase Edmonds, if I remember correctly. 
<laughs> what could go wrong? What could go wrong? Uh, just a guy getting traded halfway through the year after being the first free agency signing. Was that Monday or Wednesday? We'll look back and figure it out. Be, be, be on the YouTube channel on Monday, just in case. <laughs> All right. For Hayden, I'm Josh. Up the bell. We'll talk to y'all soon. See ya. <laughs>